Hello Internet and welcome to Season 2 of my podcast, Talk Show. My name is Annabelle and over the next few episodes, you can expect reviews of movies or TV shows that I've seen. I'll talk about what's trending and also try to objectively evaluate if they're worth your time. So today's episode is part 2 of our Record of Views podcast and so I've invited Grace back onto the show. Woohoo! Hi Grace. Hello! Ooh. Thanks for having me back. Oh, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to have you. <laughs> so last podcast, we talked about episodes 1 to 11. And as we record this podcast episode, I think the drama has already ended. And so if you're tuning in for the first time and you haven't really caught up on Record of Youth, you might want to check out the drama on Netflix first or give part one of this podcast a listen because we don't want to spoil it for you. But for everyone who's a returning listener, hello! <laughs> Thank you for coming back. <laughs> Yeah, so Grace, now that Record of Youth has ended, how do you feel about the drama? So, uh, are you happy that you started on it? And what are your initial thoughts? I am very happy. I'm, I think I'm still really happy that I started on it. I still think it's a good drama. I definitely um, gleaned a lot from it. I think I had no expectations because um, the drama, first and foremost, was a very um, fresh, refreshing, Mm, very, very refreshing drama. And, uh, they tackled subjects that they've never like really tackled before. So expectations were a bit like, again, it ended in a way that I did not expect. Uh, no, no, it might have, it's, it was quite a (laughs) (laughs) expected ending. (laughs) Sorry, I have a lot of thoughts. (laughs) I think the ending was definitely not like out of left field or anything, but we will talk about that later. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, um, okay, so today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about mainly episodes 15 and 16 of the drama. And uh, maybe I'll start with my thoughts and Grace, you can chime in. Yes. So the first thing that stood out to me uh, was in episode 15. So, you know, the scene where Jin Ah meets with the reporter and like she walks away. I don't know why, but the bright pink Barbie doll heels just caught my attention See? immediately. I was like, what is she wearing? Because it doesn't fit. Is this a fashion outfit. statement? It was supposed to be like an intense moment, but the moment she walked, she like waddled away. I was like, <laughs> yes, yes. She was supposed to be like kind of cool and she walked away, but Barbie doll shoes. Yeah, <laughs> it was too bright. It was way too bright. Okay, but <laughs> sorry, jokes aside, I think that over the course of Record of Youth, the drama was working to establish a couple of things. And here are the few that I think are worth talking about. So first of all, one good thing that came out of, you know, Heijun achieving his success, you know, I mean, other than him succeeding, of course, is that his family became a lot more bonded. And I think that uh, I was quite happy with this effect that Heijun had on his family because, you know, previously, they were always putting each other down the father was very against the grandfather doing anything he's like just don't do anything just sit there and you know unfortunately just wait to die Uh, but nowadays you know like in the latest episodes there doesn't seem to be as much animosity anymore Uh, maybe for lack of Heijun actually being at home all the time but yeah the family drama definitely decreased a lot and we see how you know family members are fighting for Heijun more than they are fighting against one another and wow the father's apology best yes (laughs) yes Cry. <laughs> Much tears. Record of Youth, however, also shows us, you know, the downsides of being a celebrity. Beneath all the glitz and glamour, um, we also see, you know, how his privacy is always being invaded. So uh, there was a scene when he was having dinner with Jin Woo and people asked him for a photo. There was also the time when he had like a small quarrel with Jong Ah and Heijun takes the bus home only to have people stare at him, take photos of him, even though he's feeling really down and just wants to be left alone. 
And with all the work that he has to do, you know, he also doesn't really have the luxury of time to spend with his loved ones anymore. Heijun used to hang out with like Heihyo and Jinwoo a lot at the park. And, you know, through the drama, we witnessed many pure friendship moments between them. And when he was sharing a room with his grandfather too, we also saw like how grandfather really doted on him a lot. You know, him being home also gave his mother more screen time with him. And of course, we saw more of him and Jong Ah growing and trying to make their way in the world together. Um, but now, even though Hei Jun kind of achieved his career goals, he, you know, cries himself to sleep every night. So, not he's still not happy, which um, I'm not, I don't know, I feel a bit sad mm. watching it. <laughs> and so that leads us to like my next point, which is that relationships with a Korean celebrity is just not great. So I recently got a video <laughs> um, by a recent Korean YouTuber who claims that she dated a K-pop trainee, uh, although she won't mention who. Uh, and from the vague telling of her experience, it seemed like this YouTuber was facing very similar problems to Jong Ah. So I guess the drama kind of checks out. I found that Jong Ah breaking up with Hei Jun though, like yeah, like I said, wasn't completely out of left field. But you know, having to see unfold was very difficult to watch. Uh, what did you think? You know, are you satisfied with the way things ended? Um, I think that was probably their relationship was probably the one of the most unsatisfying things to watch for me. I think it was very beautiful how it bloomed, how it started, and mm. and to see the little cute little romance and like all the little jitters. It's so cute. Um, but for me, I felt like the breakup was too rushed and mm. mostly because the drama didn't really flesh out Jonga too much. I think the start, um, they really did talk about Jonga and, and they started to open up the character to us. And she was yep. a very interesting character. She was a character that I actually really loved. And mm. they, they, there's not many uh, female leads like her. And she's like that quiet strength um, yeah. kind of character. And I was like, ooh. I really like you, <laughs> and and yeah. like uh, I had a lot of respect for her lah. So yeah, it was good. the The character development was great at the start, but I felt like she stayed too aloof and too mysterious, and they didn't really mm. continue fleshing out like her. Yeah. And even though there was like little bits and pieces about her family and like her mom and her dad, it was so small that I couldn't really like the audience couldn't really gather too much information from that. That I felt like was actually mm. a very complicated family picture, you know, yeah. like the mom and dad. And it was a very big contrast to Heijun's and even Heihyo's family, where the family were actually quite together. They had a home, mm. they were together, they weren't divorced, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And that sort of thing y you would expect would affect the way that she saw relationships. And you could tell that that was something that the show was foreshadowing, but they unfortunately didn't take the time to talk about it even more. So. When the breakup happened, it was like, huh? You know, like, because we didn't mm. get it. We didn't understand where she came from. She, we didn't understand her background. She, I felt like I didn't understand her thoughts, you know? Yeah. So it was like, almost like a weird, this girl who was kind of just stuck in the clouds about Heijun. Like, for mm. me, I felt almost angry at Jongha for, for being unreasonable about the relationship. Then I thought mm. about it. That was like, wait a minute. It's because we don't know her. Like, for me, that line where she said, like, um, remember you told me how uh, you, you know, would never say sorry. sorry. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, is that a really big thing to be upset about? <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, I think that, you know, her feelings of disdain, I guess, were exacerbated by her mom visiting her and, like, yeah. gushing over how she's dating, like, a big star. Yeah. Uh, maybe that was, like, the final push. Yeah. And... 
Okay, but I, I do agree, you know, that, you know, her character totally isn't... Like, they, they kind of set us up that, you know, um, her character is going to be, like, a major person. Mm. We can actually see some growth. Um, but her character kind of did, like, a... You know how sometimes dramas do like two years later, three years later, yes, the kind yes, of thing. Yes, we don't yes, really yes. see their growth happening. Yeah. So that was kind of like how her character was like. And is that mm. what you're talking about when you say like she wasn't fully fleshed out? Yeah, I felt like because mm. um, the progression of the plot was more of like um, Heijun like exploring him. I mean, no, ex- yeah, exploring Heijun, but also like seeing the progression of where he started like succeeding. Yeah. And when he started succeeding, they had they had to put a lot of screen time for Heijun and his yeah. like life and acting life and stuff like that. So I yeah. feel like that may have given less time to Jongha because at the start, mm. there was actually quite a lot about Jongha as well. Yeah. And that was probably the reason why they couldn't really talk about her more. They couldn't really get into her brain. You mm. know, where we, where we see Heijun and we can, we can really identify with him because they've really spent a lot of time talking about him. Well, I feel that maybe like the drama was coming from the perspective of Heijun, right? Mm. So um, we get snippets of information about everybody else, like such as you know the the Heijun agent, mm, yeah, <laughs> the Heijun right. agent, uh, about Heijun's mom and stuff like that, like the little dramas at the side. Mm. But ultimately, they focus on Heijun, Heijun. and his growth. Yeah. And since Heijun is kind of growing as an actor and stuff like that, then obviously, you know, um, the limelight is taken away from Jong Ah mm, a bit. Yeah. Like, he does also spend less time with her and stuff. So yeah. maybe it's kind of like a reflection kind of thing. But yeah, I guess at the same time, I do wish that they talk more about Jong Ah because her character was very interesting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the, her, her background was very interesting. You know, we don't yeah. really hear a lot of families. Like talking about a lot of divorced families and like the dynamic mm. between the mom and dad and the dynamic between them and her. Like the dad was yeah. so loving to her and the mom is kind of like a complete bitch. You know? <laughs> like I thought that the drama was honestly too short that they could have yeah. maybe spent an episode, one episode talking about her family background to get to know her more and it might pull mm. the drama together a bit more. Yeah it, yeah, it might have um, kind of given us more reason as to why she wanted to break up with Heijun mm. rather than just, oh, my mom is here and my mom pissed me off. Yeah, and like, <laughs> I don't want to be with you anymore. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm very sure that there are different, uh, more reasons than that, but uh, the immediate reasons seem to have been, like the catalyst seem to have been her mom. Yeah. So with that, I guess Park Bogum, D.O., Park Sojun and all my other biases will remain as my phone wallpaper <laughs> and nothing else. As if I stood a chance with them anyway. <laughs> but you know. <laughs> uh, so another theme in Record of Youth is sacrifice. You know, success, but at what cost? Uh, so there was that scene at the end of episode 14 where, you know, Heijun lies on his bed and cries by himself. He also mentions later on in the car that, you know, he cries himself to sleep every night. So he's like wildly successful. So why so bitter? I thought that his growth was kind of interesting because, you know, Heijun really pulled all the stops to make sure that he wouldn't change as a person. Like he won't compromise his views. But I guess... What Record of You shows us is that where there is growth, there is change, which does scare me a bit. So mm. personally, I think that, you know, I do want to achieve good things, but like Newton's second law of physics, <laughs> I'm a bit reluctant to move at the moment. Okay, wait, is it second law? Okay, I could be wrong. Guys, I'm an art student. Don't blame <laughs> <fool> me. <laughs> law? What? Inertia, inertia, law? Yes, right? Yes. I'm educated, guys. <laughs> but yeah, so like, I, I feel that we are looking for jobs, but at the same time, the thought of 
getting on with our lives sometimes does mm. create a bit of a scare. Yeah. I can't blame anyone anymore, you know, as the last episode has yes. repeatedly said. <laughs> <laughs> and that feeling of growing to a new season of life, but that new season mm. is also very unguided. I think that's yes. something that freaks me out a bit. And that's the yeah. whole point of that season, right? Where you are learning independence. Oh, that one line that they said like, oh, um, you're learning to leave your influence of your parents or something. It was something about Hei The influence of his mom is something that I kind of had to go through as well. Not to that oh. extent, but <laughs> um, mm. my mom is a very, very big like person in my life and I love her and I am yeah. always very grateful for her. But yeah. it's something that I currently struggle with where you really have to learn to stand up on your own two feet and think mm. about things yourself, even though you thought that you're doing that. But no, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at this point of time, being an adult, you gotta really take the reins for yourself. And it's very, 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 very scary. It is, yes. it is, yeah. I understand. So the drama also expresses, you know, how Heijun is quite different as a person. So he wasn't very stuck up, didn't backstab people. But they also highlighted, however, how his uh, stubborn character may not always be a good thing. So through the Charlie Jong incident, we can see that, you know, while not publishing the messages allowed Heijun to retain his values, it was at the expense of, like, his family being very concerned all the time, his manager having to stress about various things, and of course it strained his relationship with his friends and with Jong Ah. So, I don't know, um, mm. like, why is he being so willful? Like, the people creating drama will continue to create drama, right? Mm. Especially when they're so determined to um, bring him down. But they reached a certain point where I felt like he was being a bit too stubborn. And I could see how his manager was very slogging for him. Uh, what about you, though? Did you, did you feel the same way? I was actually very proud of him. Although, mm. I do feel for the agent and about... Dealing with such a willful little boy is <laughs> yeah. uh, hard. Like, I can't win you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. at the same time, I felt like that was sort of something that Heijun learned. Especially, I think we forgot that the first episode, we see Heijun being quite the naive young mm. um, model where he kind of trusted his agent too much. And you see him finally being like, no, you have your own beliefs and you screwed me. So I will stick to my own beliefs so that I won't get screwed, you know? And I think that's the whole point of this entire show where he is holding mm. to that. And although, like, the agent Nuna is very... <laughs> is, like, the nicest person ever and she's, like, the right agent for him, basically, Heijun learned to stand up for himself in the mm. industry, you know? He mm. learned to say, like, no, this is what I want. And... Um, if you can help me get to what I want, I'll be very grateful. You know, yeah. like even the whole, I thought he would blow up at the whole text message thing, but he's, he reiterated his value again, but he, he said, you know what, I understand. But he was still upset, mm. you know? He was the right amount of stubborn. Like, I didn't think he was being mm. like pushy or overbearing at all. And like, I thought that his change was inevitable in that sense. Yep. That, yeah. of course, he had to change. He had to figure out like, how to hold on to hold on to his values while adapting and adjusting, and mm. how do you expect him not to change? You know, yeah, I definitely, thought yeah. that you know, if you notice, everyone else was expecting him to change, so everyone else was like, "Is he being too much? Is he being too mm. stubborn?" He had to yeah. reiterate to everybody like, "No, this is what I believe," because yeah. now, if you think about it, now he's the top star, and and now his choices and his words are more visible. But when he yep. wasn't a top star, people weren't as interested, you know, because his choices yeah, weren't as taken <laughs> as seriously. 
I was just curious because like some people online were raging about it. They were like, oh my goodness, he's too stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it's refreshing to hear your point of view. <laughs> were there any other parts of the finale episodes that stood out to you? So we're talking about episodes 15 to 16. I'm going to talk about, since I've already talked about a lot of like disappointments and upsetting mm. things about the drama, yeah. <laughs> I'll talk about, you know, what I loved. I loved this character, Heijun, that he was so well-balanced and mm. yet while being so well balanced he faced a lot of struggles and he dealt with it the best way he could he didn't yeah. compromise and he didn't he didn't even change for Jongha even though he said like oh tell me um, what I did wrong and then I can change but like you can tell that he was still so respectful towards Jongha and he still really loved her and yeah. all, everything about it to my opinion I thought that yeah. Heijun's character was the best thing about the drama mm. so another thing that I really really liked was um Heihyo's character, actually. Ooh. Yeah, I actually really liked his character development and the plot progression. And yeah. although it was a bit weird to see the sudden change in his mom, I liked that too. <laughs> you know what I Yeah. She, it's almost like a light bulb. Where she's like... Oh, Enlightenment. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, oh, my son is a good son. I raised a good son. It was almost a bit narcissistic because she's like... Oh yeah, yeah. I I raised such a mm. nice, good-natured son, but it's not really because of you, honestly. <laughs> but <laughs> I like the way that he related to her, though. I yeah. you know, relating to our parents sometimes can get a bit tricky. Yeah. But he knows his mom so well mm. that he knows how to like shut her up in a sense. Yeah. So he's like, "You raised me so well, <laughs> and that's why I can't feel angry at you." <laughs> it's like, I was you like, hoot "Wow." Her own I mean, hoot her own hoot her own horn. Toot her own horn. No, go on, say. Horn her own toot, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like, I actually really like that. He thought through his issues so well. Mm. I felt like if I was in his position, I would have ran away. You know, those typical yeah. current drama where you're just like, oh, mom, I hate you. You suck. Um, you don't help me anymore. And you stop. <laughs> then you go live with Hey Jun, right? Yeah. <laughs> but he was so mature. I thought um, mm. to see his self-esteem plunge was something that I felt like I could definitely relate to. To see him rise from that was very, 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 very satisfying. To see him um, mm. figure out how to deal with his family, figure out how to deal with his own self-esteem issues. And he could have easily spiraled down. And Definitely, yeah. yes. <laughs> and he could have easily used Jongha as a clutch. You That's know. very true. Yeah, yeah, especially because they reached a point where they were seemingly closer than she was with him. Yeah, Heiju. yeah. They could have totally done the whole dramatic... I, the second lead thing, is yeah, it? Yeah, the second lead thing. I mean... The, the give me a try. <laughs> the give me a try because I am here for you and I am also having issues. But they mm. were all very beautifully done. And yeah. he was independent in his own way. I really, really enjoyed it. Yes. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> Favourite character, who would it be? I think Heijun. I, I feel like he, Park Bo Gam as a character, so it's very different from other guys. He's not like super mm. boyish kind of guy. He's also very yeah. sensitive, you know. Yeah. He's not being like a wimp and stuff like that. I thought that kind of representation was really good. Yeah. This is not masculinity. <laughs> yeah, all that. <laughs> mm. To be honest, like, I've been following him for quite a while and the latest show that I've seen of him was Reply 1988. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> so I went into Record of Youth, like, with that Take image. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, Pat Bogan yes, yes. played this uh, character called Take. Uh, and then, like, as I walked into Record of Youth, I just had an image in my head where he was very quiet, very, very small. Mm-hmm. And then, like, when he came in and he, like, acted so, like, you know, in the first episode, mm-hmm, he was mm-hmm, a bit, mm-hmm. like, you know, playful and stuff. Super. I was a bit shocked. I was a bit taken aback. I was like, holy <laughs> crap, this is not, this is not Take. <laughs> <laughs> 
so versatile. Yeah, he really is. It really speaks volumes about him as an actor. A couple of people have messaged me saying, why do people like Pop Bogum so much? He looks a bit plastic. Uh, Any thoughts about that? No. It's your time to fire back. <laughs> uh, how dare you? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, okay. Honestly, to each their own. If, if you don't like that sort of thing, then it's fine. I don't really care. <laughs> but um, I think Pak Bogam is attractive, not just, you know, facially. Because my yeah. first ever um, Pak Bogam show was actually Hello Monster. And honestly, oh. Belle, you should go watch it. Pak okay. Bogam in that show is actually a psycho. Oh, really? Yeah, and it, he plays it so well. I was like, oh my who, goodness. who is this <laughs> Cute, like cute, good-looking guy that cute that, good looking guy. <laughs> that's also a villain in the show. I was like, mm. so so amazed. So yeah, Hello Monster was my yeah. first one. After the reply series, Use Over Flowers. Yes, yes. Yeah. When he went with the reply series people, right? Yeah, and they they felt they they went to Africa. He's a big star, right? So you expect him yeah. to be a bit like arrogant and stuff, but he's so humble. He's yeah. so sweet, and I was like, wow, this guy. Unreal. And he's Christian. And okay, he's, he's Christian. He's Korea, a good right? Christian boy. Fuck <laughs> 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 But yeah, I think he is the perfect person. <laughs> yeah, also very imperfect in you, my opinion. You, you heard know. it first from Grace, guys. Yeah. He's perfect. Yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> so you just give up shush. all the other arguments. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Record of You started maybe a month back and as we're nearing the end, I think more and more people are jumping on board to check the drama out. And, um, well, the people who have completed it have mentioned that, you know, wow, Record of You is like just mm. a flip book of his Aesthetic glams and yes. close-ups and slow motion shots, <laughs> which I don't disagree. Um, but there are a group of people on Twitter who are, you know, complaining about how they couldn't get on board with Record of Youth. So I found two sources. Uh, one of them says that, you know, the drama is really strong, but it didn't really work for the person because, you know, character development was lacking. You know, they feel like they're wasting time with secondary characters. Resolution uh, of the storylines were very weak and the ending was predictable. And somebody else also said that, you know, we couldn't really feel for the characters because there's really hardly any passion between, say, Park Bogum and Park Sudam's characters. And when they break up, I think like you said, when they break up, we don't really feel much for them. It feels like, you know, even though Hadrian's career is kind of going downhill, we kind of don't really feel it. It's not like a, oh no, I hope that they fix it. Yeah. It's like, we kind of already know that, you know, based on the tone and how the entire drama has been going, that everything's going to be alright, you know, in the end. Mm. I disagree to a certain extent. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, for me, I feel like with the number of um, current dramas that I've watched throughout my mm. years, I've watched too many. Um, the <laughs> romance between the leads were very typically wholesome current drama. I didn't, I didn't think that people were expecting that much passion. Mm. And maybe it's because the Korean dramas nowadays are all about the super passionate, like, oh, come kiss, kiss, kiss. <laughs> <And then laughs> they're all really all about, like, their, their love and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, but this drama is not about that romance. And I think I mm. realised that towards the end of the drama, that I realised, okay, yeah. you know what? I am okay with the fact that the, the, rom- the relationship kind of ended badly. Yeah. Because that's not really what the drama is about la. and mm. in a way I think it progressed exactly how it should have I mean not yeah. thinking about the fact that maybe I could have known Jong As like intentions a bit more and like his and the reason why she wanted to break up with him but yeah. if you think about it 
there was actually a spark between the characters. But from the start, Jong Ha hit a lot of her feelings from Hye Jun. And even as it progressed, she, she like closed up even more. Mm. And she was Hye Jun's emotional outlet, you know? She stood strong for him. Yeah. You know, and it sort of explains the distance she put between her and himself. And even the whole, like, the way she broke up, she set up the distance there. She was already emotionally very detached from him. And it was due to the circumstances that they were in and the role she chose to assume, which is her Heijun's emotional outlet, that all these things happened. Lah. And I felt like yeah. the drama sort of ended in a way that if they met in different circumstances, maybe then she would have. Um, been different, you know, be more yeah. vulnerable, be more open to Heijun, and maybe their relationship yeah. would have done a lot better. And I think the little narrations throughout the drama also foreshadowed that they were like, if we met at a different time, maybe yeah. even better and stuff like that. And mm. yeah, and I, for me, I feel like I have an unpopular opinion. Uh, I didn't, I yeah. honestly didn't hate the ending. I actually yeah. really enjoyed it. I, I thought that it was quite typical of these kind of wholesome Korean dramas that I <laughs> I, yeah. I honestly do enjoy. A happy mm. ending is what they we want, you know, it's okay yes. to be Not the okay. idealist. <laughs> yeah, oh god. <laughs> Plot for another drama. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's, it's exactly what I hoped. Which actually brings me to my next point. So, I feel that, you know, the drama has a lot of layers that people are not giving it credit for. Yeah. Especially when it comes to Park Sodam. Like, mm. all people online. So, I did a bit of research. I know that the drama just ended yesterday and I've already <laughs> done research. I'm a, like, what a nerd, right? <laughs> Passionate. Um, thank you. <laughs> Truly the academic. <laughs> I, so, yeah, I went online, I did some research and people are saying that, oh, you know, sometimes people choose extremely good roles for themselves. So, mm. uh, Park Bogum's character, excellent. Uh, Heihyo's character, excellent. Mm. But Park So Dam chose the wrong part to play. And, you know, sometimes I wonder, did she really? Because um, when it comes to putting distance, you know, between her and Heijun, um, yeah. her character really did it very well. Yeah. So, hmm, hard to say whether I hated the ending or not. <laughs> <laughs> Still feeling the feels. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that she did accomplish her role um, mm. of being of not really understanding love and yeah. not, no, not really knowing what to do with her feelings. Yeah. Um, but also being mature about it, you know, as yeah. she approached, you know, Heijun becoming more and more um, busy in his life and becoming more popular. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So I guess I'm a bit, I, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not settled on it. <laughs> <laughs> not settled on how I feel yet. Maybe it'll take a bit more mulling since this only ended yesterday. But, okay, so a lot of fans are hoping that, you know, with the way Record of Youth ended, they want a season two. Currently, I guess the production team's hands are tied because, you know, Pat Bogum is currently doing military service. Uh, but yeah, many fans of the show um, are hoping that there's a season two so that they can tie up certain loose ends when it comes to uh, Jin Woo and, you know, Hei Hyo's younger sister. Oh, yeah. Um, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? It's like they're just there. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's also the thing with Min Jae and uh, Hei Jun's older brother. <laughs> Um, which is kind of weird so to kind of root for them. It's like, oh, just because it's a romance coming of age drama, then everybody needs to be in a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Personally, 
I feel that you know some Korean dramas are just not made for seasons because the way Korean dramas are constructed is I guess lack of a better word they are very transient yeah it's supposed to start and end as it is uh, we're supposed to suspend disbelief and you know think that okay this is how the tribulation ended and this is how they will go on from mm. here yeah K dramas are really clear cut you know uh, the only dramas that I kind of wish had more seasons were those with more complex plots so I mean like for genres like horror action mystery and fantasy you know these should be multi-season to give the writer more time to build the world and also to like unpack difficult concepts mm. so all in all I think that uh, having more seasons really shouldn't be to just prolong the screen time you know if not we'll get this very long Taiwan <laughs> melodramas like I that just keep going <laughs> on and on it's the next generation it's 10 generations later <laughs> and it still has not ended yes. so I feel that if a romance coming of age drama cannot deliver closure within the stipulated number of episodes it's really a reflection of bad planning on the scriptwriter's part uh, mm. So the way Record of Youth concludes You know, it seems to hint that There's a season 2 coming up But personally, I think that, you know if The story did have the ability to move a bit faster um, And it would have provided the closure At the finale episode if it had done so mm. um, So what I gather from you is that You know, you, you pretty much enjoyed Record of Youth, yeah, right? I did <laughs> And I know you as like a fan of the Reply series yeah. a, a fan of like romance dramas yeah. So, you know, as a person who frequently um, lobbies for these kind of things uh, <laughs> Would you recommend Record of Youth to um, people to watch? Um, okay, so I guess mm, I feel like my taste in dramas are very peculiar The reason why these dramas are so good is because it tells tales of daily lives mm. And it helps us empathize with a whole lot of different people a lot and also kind of reflects on ourselves a little bit so yeah if you're into that kind of thing or you're kind of like hoping to explore that kind of thing if you want to be a mm. bit more introspective about life <laughs> um i yeah. would say yeah give it a try i don't think mm. it's it's not something that people should be like i don't want to you know i don't want to try and everyone should just try basically what i'm saying is go watch it yes <laughs> 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 so now that we have completed Record of Youth, I have to say that one unique selling point of Record of Youth is how accurate some of the aspects of the drama can be to real life. So for this next segment, I thought about doing something kind of different. Uh, so you guys remember how we talked about Hey June kind of representing the creatives of our age and you know how we are all struggling to make a break in the industry. Well, I actually have a friend who is quite an inspiration. So say hi to my ponyo. Hi, Ned. Hi. <laughs> hi. Thanks for having me. Uh, so Grace meet Ned, Ned meet Grace. Hello. Hello, hello. Nice to you. <laughs> Likewise, nice to e meet you and your little cute pug. <laughs> so uh, Ned, maybe tell us a bit about what you do. Hey, um, yeah, so I am a freelance dancer and I am also a dance teacher and Pilates instructor. <laughs> slash, slash, slash. <laughs> so many things. Yeah, so many hats. <laughs> ask, what, what sort of dance do you do? So mainly in jazz and hip-hop and ballet, uh, a bit of contemporary and tap as well. Ooh, wow, that is a lot of hats. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes of, top hats. Yeah, different hats. <laughs> I'm like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get inside. Ooh. Oh, you're, you're Forrest Gump. Oh, <laughs> I am Forrest Gump. 
<laughs> so Grace and I are actually doing a review of a Korean drama that talks a lot about you know young people who desire to work in the creative industry. And I'm getting you on the show today because uh, I think that you're quite similar to the characters that we're seeing on screen. And so we just want to hear about your experiences as a creative. <laughs> so um, before we get started, maybe you could tell us a bit about how you first uh, stepped into the industry. I didn't grow up dancing and... I was always wanting to do dance though. Like I remember as small as being like three years old, I'd be like, hey mom, um, can I do some ballet? And then like, she's like, you're too young. And then when I was six, I was like, mom, <laughs> can I do ballet? She's like, you're too old. <laughs> oh, um, no. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Did I miss my chance? Like what? So from a very It's so young- clear that she was like, no, you're not doing any of that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, why don't you just want me to dance? And I remember like watching um, movies like, take the lead and step up and I was like super drawn to like um, movement and just how like it makes you feel and just how beautiful it is and I just knew that I wanted to be a part of that somehow that kind of like led me into that direction and um, so like I officially started technically dancing when I was like 12 years old um, and I actually started off in like the like Latin ballroom dancing kind of scene um, for like one or two years before I moved to Australia. Uh, but then it was a bit harder for her to afford classes um, when I was like 14 years old. So like the only type of dancing I could get was like at school, which I didn't really tell my mom about. Like you could take um, dance <laughs> as a subject. And I was like, oh my gosh, you can take dance as a subject. What is this? (laughs) Um, So I guess in that way, I was super fortunate to be able to um, step into that. And it was like all my dreams coming true. (laughs) But after Mm. high school, it was like a bit of a dilemma for me because I was so, so drawn and in love with the arts. Um, But my mom was definitely like the more realistic person. And she's like, no, you should like pursue something in like finance, for example, and that's what I ended up doing in university for a really long time. And um, I knew that that wasn't the place for me. But during that time, it gave me that freedom to like work and also dance at the same time. So that was when I started learning ballet when I was 18 years old. And then that's when I started doing a bit more like hip hop. And when I was 21 when I graduated university it was kind of like a dilemma I was like filling out all these finance applications and like I was literally in tears I was like I don't want to do this this is not what I want to do why why am I doing this like I had no idea why I was stepping into that industry and so I had this huge dilemma of like trying to please my mom but also like trying to make sure I don't regret anything in my 20s so I like made that bold step of auditioning for a full-time dance school and it came with a lot of like no's from my mom and like a bit of are you sure (laughs) um and to me like moving states uh from like Queensland to Victoria to like pursue um, a full-time dance course and so yeah I learned a lot from there I grew a lot from there and it wasn't easy but that's kind of how it's been. 
So, um, since you talked about your mom a bit, um, so one big theme in the drama is that of family. I think you you come from an equally Asian family, so do you think you can relate to the whole um idea of like just uh, family members being supportive? Do you think that their support was uh, helpful when you decided to like transition into dance full time? <laughs> I don't think I got that full support um from mm. my my mom, especially my parents are divorced, so I struggled a lot because there was that aspect of me that really wanted to. Um, please her and even provide for her and seeing her work so yeah. hard all my life here I'm like okay I should give back to her but then at the same time there was this part of me that was like no I have to do this for me and actually like I have followed her path and I have graduated with a degree so it's like okay that's kind of like my backup plan <laughs> um <laughs> but at the same time it was like I knew I had to um do this otherwise I knew that I would just regret it for um, a long time or like for the rest of my life mm. basically so I think yeah. having faith in myself in, in that way too like kind of kept me a bit realistic about my decisions um, and knowing that okay I'm going into this uh, and I may not get the full support or understanding from my mom but it's mm. like a risk that I was willing to take at that time so, um, I think that uh, in the drama that we're watching, there are like a couple of hurdles that the characters in uh, the drama need to overcome. There's also the dilemma with, you know, um, doing something more, in the Asian family terms, more useful. <laughs> you know, yeah. they have to earn money <laughs> in the future. Um, the drama also covers a different aspect of um, the hurdle. So, the main character actually holds on to his values and uh, identity very tightly. So um, yeah. I just want to ask you, like, did you find that stepping into the industry is as difficult, you know, as this drama makes it out to be? Or do you think that it's a bit more dramatised than that? Uh, you know, were there instances where you felt like you had to compromise your values, um, you know, for the sake of progression? Yeah, I mean, it definitely, like, it's... You can see a lot of different aspects of the industry. Like, there's different facets to the dance industry, I guess. Like, there are... Yeah. Um, parts of it where it's like super catty and like people step on each other's toes uh, to mm. want to get to what they want um, but I think there are also really lovely people that I have met along the way but I yeah. think it all depends on like where you trained and for me that was like a big factor in how I viewed the industry and how I stepped into the industry personally so yeah. when I came down to do my full-time dancing like I wasn't super familiar with um, the culture of the school, which I wish I had known a bit more. Um, but going into it, like I didn't realize the environment that they were trying to cultivate was just like, beware of your friends because they are also your competition. So it mm. was almost like this really negative environment where like you wanted to generally be friends with these amazing, talented people. But then there was this aura of like, not someone wanting to be close with you but not close enough at like not everyone was like that like but that was just the culture that was being cultivated in that specific dance school and mm. a lot of being like the director being in your head in like trying to um, help you perceive and, and make that judgment of what you are as a human being and as a dancer mm. in this industry and like it's so easy because we were there like six days a week, like nearly 24-7. I was like there from like 8 a.m. sometimes to like 
8.30 p.m. at night or even later. Yeah. And yeah. that is all in your head. Like, that is all you are focused on is to keep getting better and better and better. And, like, the person next to you is going to be your competition. And so I felt like from that, like, going into the real world and, like, auditioning and meeting other creatives out there, that was a lot of um, pers- this perspective that I carried along with me. And, mm. like, in hindsight, it was not a very healthy choice because I think I acted differently because of it. And I think this is where a lot of those dramas stem from is because these people have started to navigate their world and their perspective based on um, the way they were cultivated. It, it was hard because um, for the first like couple of years being out and in the industry, I was like, I wanted to be friends with people. Uh, but at the same time, it was like that man for man kind of survivalist <laughs> mode that everyone was trying yeah. to face with each other. Yeah. Um, and it was like, your friends are your friends, but are they (laughs) like as a person who loves making like friendships and relationships I found that really hard to navigate because I was like I really generally want to be friends with you but I don't know if it's the same on your part but I think like having being in the industry and like meeting other people from different training backgrounds has really opened my perspective in how like this industry operates and yes you can still find the cattiness you can still find the clicks um But I think what's important is like, can you stay true to your own values and true to yourself? And like, I have been in like jobs where I was like, hmm, that probably wasn't suited best to my values or probably wasn't exactly what I wanted to have been part of. But at the same time, like as long as I felt like I could carry myself with integrity, that was what was important for me. And it did cost me some jobs sometimes or like it cost me to not have relationships with some people Mm. but I guess that's that's okay if it's something that I know that I can live with myself with yeah yeah I think it it really reminded me of the drama and how like (laughs) um one of the things is that there were actually like competition between agents of like yeah the the two stars and they kept Mm. saying like oh, um, that's just how it is, you know, it's cutthroat, and I'm, I'm just teaching you a lesson if, like, a guy is, like, being horrible to the, to yeah. another agent and stuff. It is, it's so weird to think that, like, that's what happens. Like, people are so used to the way it is. Like, you said, like, yeah. people are just acting from the way that they've been taught and from the way that they've, just, like, cultivated themselves, and it's so hard to go against that. I actually have a question. I don't know if this is okay to ask. Go ahead. Like, yeah. No, um, go. Of course, it's okay to ask, Grace. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, but like, um, do you ever face like being an Asian Australian? Do you ever face like racism in an industry? And like, how do you deal with that? I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like a really, it's interesting question because I don't think anyone's outrightly like you're Asian. No, kind of thing. But it's quite subtle in the way I guess in terms of um, role auditioning you might get a brief where it says all ethnicities but it was clear from the audition that all the ethnic people um, were cut the first round in terms of peer-to-peer racism uh, I haven't like experienced like crazy racism like um, but you can feel like you're a bit different Um, Mm. so I think 
especially like when I go to classes sometimes and I'm like the only Asian person in there it's kind of like like okay this is definitely different and awkward because like we all came from a different background of especially like privilege and something that I probably don't understand about them is how they grew up and they don't understand something about me is how I grew up how do I navigate myself through that I just kind of stick to why I'm in that class for example or why I'm there and it's for me to train and it's for me to grow as a dancer and a performer but also I think there is a beauty in that going being like like for example sometimes the only ethnic person or the only Asian it's like okay I am that representation for out other Asian homies out there (laughs) so like for me sometimes I'm like proud of myself because I'm like oh okay like this is kind of cool like I am being a a kind of a voice or like at least a presence in that room of my people trying to fight into the industry (laughs) (laughs) um or at least being that representation which I think is super important especially um arising from the whole world of like understanding what Black Lives Matter is um Mm. I think it can be really related back um, into like the entertainment industry and the performing arts industry as well. Uh, so what keeps you going despite all the challenges you face? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. So <laughs> I think I am like super stubborn in like trying to achieve my goals. I can't rest until I get my goal. <laughs> and I think that's a good and bad thing sometimes. Yeah. Um, it, it, it stabs me in the back sometimes and I'm like, why do I do this some days? But I think um, just knowing that I have a love for this industry and I remember why mm-hmm. I did this in the first place, but also um, understanding why this gift was given to me. And I truly believe that like I wouldn't have been able to accomplish all of this without like God, for example, like, who uh, I I know that has given me this gift. So I mm. like I genu- genuinely like want to share this art form and um, my story or like help people find joy or um, help create pieces that move people. I think mm. that is such a blessing and such a privilege to be in. And I think that is what keeps me um, grounded in what I do especially when the going gets tough like I don't want to regret a few years from now or like when I'm in my 40s or whatever I'm like why didn't I do this like I know that I've done everything I've exhausted all my energy out into this you know it's like living with no regrets basically and um, what's one advice you would give to budding creatives and budding dancers like yourself so I would definitely advise creators any dancers performers anyone out there just to stay in your own lane and just keep those horse blinders on and Mm. you know just following in your own lane Uh, I can't stress that enough because it's so easy to like look aside and compare yourself next to the person next to you like anything from the way you look your abilities your flexibilities um, (laughs) your appearance um, Mm. as long as you stay in your own lane and just remember why you're doing what you're doing is super um, important just know that you are doing this for yourself or whatever reason why you're in this um, position in the first place Um, Mm. but yeah also come from a place of wanting to share what you were gifted with and I think that's 
something really beautiful about the arts industry. That's that's good advice. Yeah, that's seriously good advice. I would say. Excellent. <laughs> So I guess that's that. I hope that everyone who's working hard to achieve their dreams will continue to work hard and that y'alls will only have good things happen from here on out. <laughs> uh, so to anyone who's keen on watching Record of Youth, as mentioned, you can find it on Netflix. But for my guests, how can our listeners find y'all? Yeah, so uh, you can find me, Natalie, <laughs> at, uh, on Instagram at underscore Natalie Lim with an M. And yeah. I also have a YouTube channel that I recently started, and that's where I'll be doing a lot of my Pilates sessions. So if you are keen to get fit live with me, um, feel free to join that. And you can find me under Natalie Lim or Nat Pilates. Give me a subscribe, and I hope to move <laughs> with you guys. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Grace? How can people find you? So um, I actually have a new single out on Spotify, and it's called Hindsight and Apple Music, and it's under my artist name Grace Karis. That is C H A R I S, and I also do other musicy, <laughs> musical stuff on Instagram. And you can find me on Tiny Grace sings. Tiny being me, small. I'm tiny. I'm Grace, and I sing. Ta-da! Ta-da! <laughs> Thank you for that. Today's intro and outro was by my wonderful musician friend Fernice Go. So if you like what you hear, you can check her out on YouTube and on her Instagram at fur underscore nice music. Cause fur nice music. So thank you listeners for tuning in. If you guys have any movies or shows that you want me to review or convince a friend to watch, you can drop me a tweet at talkshow or comment on my Instagram at Bell the Free Elf and I'll have a go at it. <coughs> and I'll have a go at it. <laughs> Till next time. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs>